Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor, along with Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up on the podcast, we'll talk about Connor McDavid's only visit into Detroit this year with Oilers broadcaster Bob Stoffer, the Oilers and Wings face off on Tuesday night on ESPN. But first, Ted, Looking at the wings after the all-star break, if I had told you at the beginning of the season, year four of the Steve Eisenman rebuild, that they would be only seven points out of the playoffs in February, 22nd in goals for, 21st in goals against, 21st on the power play, 20th on the penalty kill, all improvements, plus the ranked first in points from newcomers, added to the team by Iserman in the offseason, and they're on pace for 85 points, 11 more points than last year. What would you have said? A pretty good season, right? Or as you wrote in today's paper and online at DetroitNews.com, you said, quote, this is still a huge mountain to climb, isn't it? Well, it is, Brian, because they have, what, six or seven teams in front of them before between the wild card, for the wild mm-hmm. card spot. So I understand that, you know, they are, they do have less lesser games played than several of the, most of the teams in the East, but it's a few, it's a big mountain because those are, some of those other teams are going to be winning that particular evening too. Uh, it's, it's, and it's, they've dug themselves a little bit of a hole. No quite. And frankly, I think, aren't they only six points from last place Montreal? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, exactly. Uh, actually closer to last place Montreal <laughs> than, the wild card position, so yeah, it's it's a tough it's it's a tough hill to climb. I, the second half of the season is going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if there's too many people that would call this dramatic improvement to this point. I mean, they're pretty much on to this point. They're on the same pace they were a year ago. It's just that they collapsed badly last year. Mm-hmm. You'd wonder. You know, I don't think this team's going to collapse like last year's team is, but. Yeah, they have a tough schedule here. They still need to score. They haven't proven that you know they they haven't been off an offensive powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination, and they're going to have to find a second goaltender. I mean, Huso has done a remarkable job to this point, but you have seen signs of him tiring. So they're going to need either you know Magnus Helberg or if Nedeljkovic finds his way in Grand Rapids, one of those mm-hmm. two to supply some steady goaltending behind him too. So. There's a it's, there's a lot of stuff to to you know to monitor here, but it's going to be an interesting night right off the bat. You got Edmonton and Connor McDavid. I mean, it's a pretty good stiff test right there. <laughs> Ted, let's hear now from the captain of the Wings, Dylan Larkin. He's back from the All Star game in Florida after scoring a hat trick in the final game, and he met with the media today. And here's what he had to say about the status of his contract talks. To be honest with you, I I, I do have to say that. Uh, you know, I know you guys have your job to do, but you guys have been very respectful and uh, you guys let me be at times. And I know the fans are wondering and, and, um, but it's, it's, you got to block it out. It's, it, you think about it, but you have to block it out. You know, you got to play and uh, thank God, you know, I, I felt the summer was worse because there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't go out and play and work as hard as possible. So um, it's just nice to, to be able to play games and, and, uh, and get in the routine. So, Ted, what about Dylan Larkin's contract status? The Islanders just signed Bo Horvat for 
eight years, 8.5 million per season. Earlier, Rupe Hint signed with the Stars for eight years, 8.4 million per season. They're kind of comparable players, two-way players, either 1A or 1B as one of your top centermen. Larkin's new agent, Pat Brisson, said he's not alarmed with the way the contract talks are going. We're about three weeks before the trade deadline. Do fans, though, Ted, have a reason to be concerned? Or could this be wrapped up? It could be announced even tomorrow or before the trade deadline, or it could go even further into the offseason. Well, my friend, I think... A lot of people are surprised it hasn't gotten done, I, including me. I'm somewhat surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if this goes right up to the final hours of the trade deadline, and I, or to one more the July first. Just the just the way Steve Eiserman, you know, tackles these contract negotiations. At the same time, I don't know. I mean, it does for all reports are and just talking to people, they're not massively too far apart but there is enough of a gulf there where you know it's not mm-hmm. easy to navigate um i still think ultimately like we've talked about for last year or two he's going to be a red wing but it wouldn't shock me if there's still you know some trials and tribulations along the way here until they finally settle on a number Coming up uh, next on the podcast, it's our interview segment and today's guest is Oilers broadcaster Bob Stauffer. Joining us now is Bob Stoffer, the radio color commentator with the Edmonton Oilers, host of Oilers now on 630 CHED and panelist on Sportsnet's Oilers regional broadcast. Bob, welcome to our podcast. The Oilers are in town on Tuesday night for another sellout game. This time, of course, the Connor McDavid show is coming to town. 41 goals in 50 games, his career best is 44 goals. He's on pace for more than 150 points. The first player since Hall of Famer Mario Lemieux to reach 150 points in nearly 30 years. And Bob, our beat reporter, Ted Colfin, in his NHL All-Star story in Saturday's paper and online at DetroitNews.com, Ted said, quote, it's getting to the point where McDavid is making a farce of this sport. You've watched McDavid. He's now 26 years old in his eighth season. Bob, where does this season rank? And could this be the year he finally wins his first Stanley Cup after reaching the final four last year? Well, Mark, you you hit on several themes there. So I'm going to start with the night the Oilers won the lottery, which was April 18th, 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, the Oilers had a working relationship with Sherry Basson and the Erie Otters. And um, it wasn't an accident that Chris Knobloch ended up being the coach of the Erie Otters. And Chris had played at the University of Alberta when I was the SID and play-by-play guy at the school mm-hmm. and uh, had taken Kootenay to the Memorial Cup in 2011 and ended up being a free agent. And uh, basically, Chris got put into Erie. And I'll never forget the night Edmonton won the lottery – I was heading off to a, a dinner and Chris called me and said, Bob, I'm going to tell you this right now. Just as I told you the first day I saw McDavid practice uh, in uh, during the 12, 13 season. And I told you, I might be watching the most advanced player we've ever seen. I'm going to tell you that four or five years or six or seven years into McDavid's career in Edmonton, you're going to see him do stuff that he's never done before. Hmm because he constantly and relentlessly works at his craft. 
So he is having a special year. He's evolved as a player. Uh, He's not always pass first anymore. Um, But I'm also a believer that in order to win, and I was privileged to grow up and watch arguably the greatest team in NHL history. You know, they were voted the best team, the 84-85 Oilers. Most of the Oiler Hall of Famers of that era would tell you the 86-87 team would play. Uh, was was actually their better player, a better team. I, I I'm here to tell you right now that I've I've seen some pretty good players, mm-hmm. but it's hard to win, and it doesn't happen overnight. And you got to have a team to win. So okay, it's unbelievable what we're watching Connor do, but it's no longer surprised because we're getting used to Connor achieving the unbelievable. The other thing that's happened, Peter Zosky wrote in the book Game of Our Lives about the Oilers back in the early '80s when they were on the precipice of becoming a powerhouse in the NHL, he talked about Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. and osmosis and how everybody else improved because they practiced and played with Wayne Gretzky. I think we're starting to see a different, a different type of Oilers team. Now uh, we've got a, a, a sort of supporting cast of younger players that the Red Wing fans didn't see in Ken Holland's first return in Detroit in the fall of 2019. You know, it's now you got a team that's you got McDavid and Dry Settle and Darnell Nurse and they're Edmonton's three hardest working players and Leon's right there. Leon's TSN just ranked him the second best player in the league behind Connor. Leon would tell you he's not even had a good year, but now the Oilers have a supporting cast coming, and that's part of the reason why they've rung off a seven zero and one record in their last eight games and are now the highest scoring team in the NHL and have far superior analytics to maybe what we saw three or four years ago. So, yes, McDavid is doing something special. It's a privilege to watch it on a nightly basis. Mark, I'm not surprised because I got told this was going to happen. And I, you know, I've known Chris Knobloch for over 20 years. So when he tells me this guy is going to be capable of doing stuff you won't believe, I've I've become used to it. And uh, he has elevated, you know, he works relentlessly at his craft. And that's the driver for all the, and the impetus for all the other orders uh, players to follow. Now, Bob, historically against the Red Wings, uh, Connor McDavid has only four goals in 11 games since 2015. He's never scored twice in a game against Detroit, just 13 points in 11 games. That's still a lot for a lot of players. The only teams he scored fewer points against are the Kraken, and they've played each other only six times, and the Sabres with 12 points each now the wings and Oilers are about to meet twice in eight days here on tuesday and a week from wednesday back at rogers place in edmonton how have teams been able to keep mcdavid to a point or so and how do you think the wings might do with dylan larkin andrew cops line matched up probably with marit cider and jake wallman and maybe ben sherratt and philip Peronic? Well, in the last eight games, the Oilers have 40 goals. They're number one in the NHL since January 11th with five goals per game. They're number okay. two in the NHL in uh, goals against since January 11th. They have a 40% power play uh, since January 11th, which is number one in the league. They got the number two ranked penalty killing in the NHL at 91%. They're number one in shots for at 38, and they're number two in shots against at 28. That's mm-hmm. since January 11th. Guess what happened around January 11th? They got healthy. And what happened this year is Edmonton got off to a good start, seven and three, and then they ran into some injury issues. Okay. And at one point, they had four of their top 10 forwards out of the lineup. So they didn't have Evander Kane, who scored 35 goals in 58 games between the regular season and playoffs for three months. They didn't have Kyrie Yamamoto. He's still out. 
Uh, he had 20 goals last year for Edmonton. And then Ryan McLeod's part of the Oilers' future. You know, he you know, played in the OHL. He can skate. And so what I would say to you is the teams that did okay and Detroit, you know, under Ken Holland, Edmonton, has, they've only played Detroit twice um, in Detroit. And the Red Wings have won both games. And in both situations, the Oilers were light in terms of supporting depth. And that's the difference between with where Edmonton's at right now. So, I mean, the Oilers' power play mark right now is at 32%. The, in the last 30 years, we haven't had a power play with four consecutive years of 25% or higher. The Oilers have gone first, first, third, and are first this year by over 5% on the power play. Hmm. So the teams that have had success against Edmonton have stayed out of the penalty box and then have capitalized the nights when the Oilers were lacking a little bit of depth up front. And that's played part of it. And then they've had defensemen that can skate. And, you know, Sider's an impressive pick. And, uh, you know, he's – but I, I kind of it's, – it's ironic. I was with uh, Jay Woodcroft the last couple nights. Uh, Bakersfield was playing down in Calgary, the Oilers, AHL affiliate. And I just I, – Jay has never coached. In, uh, he's never been in a uh, little uh, – you know, in, in, in the new arena in Detroit. He's, he hasn't been there as an Oilers head coach yet. And I pointed out to him – the Oilers have not won a game since Ken Holland has been GM of Edmonton <laughs> in Detroit. And uh, I, I can, I remember the first time we went in there, I watched Detroit's practice and I watched Edmonton's practice. And I talked to Ken after the game and I said, the Oilers are too slow. We've got to get Kyler Yamamoto up from the minors. In fact, I tweeted it out that day because Detroit had greater pace uh, in their practice. This was in the 2019. So I know Detroit's yeah. trying to grow through a rebuild. But I just think Edmonton's a completely different team now than they were three or four years ago. They've added Hyman, who's having a great year. He's at 60 points. The Oilers have four 60-plus point scores. And Kane is back. And Evander Kane gives Edmonton a different type of juice in the top six. And now they got McLeod and Holloway, uh, a second-round pick in McLeod, a first-rounder in Holloway, who can really skate. And it's changed the dynamic of what Edmonton can do up front. So as much as we focus on, you know, can you limit Connor? Mm-hmm. I think one of the keys for Edmonton is many hands makes light work. And the more better players you have, usually uh, the greater it enhances your top players because not everything falls back to them. Bob, just a couple more questions. What do you think of the Red Wings since Ken Holland left to become the Oilers GM in 2019? Here in Detroit, of course, he left the cupboard pretty bare in his last draft in 2018. He took Philip Zadina over Quinn Hughes and the 2017 draft. You and I talked about it just briefly. He took Michael Rasmussen, but they didn't even sign half the players, most of them from the CHL. In contrast, in 2019, Steve Eisenman, for the first time in Red Wings history, didn't even draft a player from the CHL. He got rid of top scouts Tyler Wright and Jeff Finley and followed the advice of his own scouts, including Hawken Anderson. He took Marit Sider, as you mentioned, from Germany, and then four Swedes, two Americans, a Finn, a Russian. And finally, in the seventh round, a player from your neck of the woods, from the Sherwood Park Crusaders of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, a 6'5 goalie, Carter Guylander. He's with Colgate now with a 2.3 goals against average and a 921 save percentage. So, Bob, what do you make of the Red Wings? They went 25 years in a row making the playoffs, four cups in 11 years with Ken Holland serving in various roles now in the Hockey Hall of Fame, of course. But the Wings have been out of the playoffs for six years, the longest active streak behind the Sabres at 11 years. They're now in year four of the Iserman rebuild. 
They're seven points out of a wild card berth, but they really haven't had a top three pick like Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. So what do you make of the wings? Well, you know, it's interesting to talk about Ken Holland and, uh, I would love to have been in the chair of a guy like Ken Holland to be in that mm-hmm. position. I don't know what the Illich family instructions were. If it was, hey, we can continue to compete when maybe, to me, it's like a guy that's partially bald and needs to recognize <laughs> when it comes to rebuilding, you got to get to a point where you just got to shave that dome. And I say that as a guy whose only redeeming quality is he has hair. <laughs> uh, because I'm over, you know, a little extra, carrying a couple extra pounds. And I'm not the prettiest guy, but I, I, it, I, that's what I think. That like, you know, it's funny. So I was doing a drive show in Edmonton for years before. I'm in year 15 doing color for the Oilers. But I used to have this conversation with, you know, Kevin Lowe. Like, you guys are picking basically most years sort of 10 through 18. Mm-hmm. you got to be really good to hit in that range in the first round. Um, that 2017 draft that Detroit had, you had a change of management. So it's not surprising they didn't sign a bunch of those picks. But, I mean, I just remember the third round. I think they had five unsigned draft picks. That's a lot from one draft year. Um, our head scout for a number of years at Edmonton was Stu McGregor. That was my midget AA coach at Edmonton. And I've had a lot of animated discussion with him about some of the, you know, some of the hits, but also some of the misses. I kind of thought when Detroit got Huso, that would help. I think St. Louis has missed David Perron. I think David Perron's a highly competitive mm-hmm. player. I think they overpaid for Andrew Kopp, myself. Larkin, in my mind, would be a priority. Bertuzzi's been injury-riddled and injury-played, so you know they haven't gotten legit top six out of him. Obviously, there's been some challenges you know, in that Verana deal. You know, Cider's been a home run. So that, that's a positive. Now, they did dip back in the Western League a couple of years ago because they drafted Sebastian Coase in the first round out of the Edmonton Oil Kings. And he's I, I think he's played mostly ECHL this mm-hmm. year. Yes. Uh, and that, Stuart Skinner's at the All-Star game today. And if you had told me three years ago that he, you know, granted he was voted in by the fans, but that he would, you know, be sitting at a like a 915 save percentage splitting duty in the NHL. I would have said that was, you know, I'd say Koso would be a better bet for that. So I'm going to be intrigued to watch how Eiserman handles himself, but I got to, I got to be honest with you in Detroit's case. I wonder whether or not they just have to, you want to get those top picks. You got to be bad. And sometimes you don't even mean to be bad. I can tell you in the 14, 15 season, because McDavid went number one in 15, there was no plan for Edmonton to be a bottom three team that year in the league. They were supposed to evolve and be far better than that. And it just didn't work out that way. Finally, Bob, the, uh, you mentioned the NHL trade deadline and the fans there in Edmonton could use a defenseman, a defenseman, like maybe a Josh Manson or a defenseman, like the, what the wings have and an Ali Mata, a Ben Sherratt, even a Philip Aronic. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Like you saw the four game series against the avalanche last year, McCarr, Led the series with nine points. They scored only two goals in games three and four. Like, what do they do? They need a defenseman. Mark, first of all, against Colorado was just simply better. They were deeper and better than Edmonton. Uh, and two of Edmonton's three best players were hurt. Like Dry Settle had a bad high ankle sprain, which, by the way, I don't know if he's completely over even now. Like mm-hmm. he got hurt in uh, game six in Los Angeles. I can't believe he came back and played. Not to mention he had 17 points in five games against Calgary. So Drysaddle was hurt. Nurse uh, suffered a uh, hip labrum issue. 
And and Colorado had a way deeper team. They were just simply better okay. than Edmonton. Now the Oilers have found a way to infuse a little bit more youth and speed into the lineup. What the Oilers are doing right now is they're going 11 and 7. And when Tampa Bay won, they went 11 and 7. And the Oilers have got a guy by the name of Vincent Dayarnais, a six foot seven right shot, shot suppressing, shutdown defenseman. And he's taken some of the penalty killing minutes away from Evan Bouchard, who Detroit passed on as well in that 2018 draft when they took Zadina sixth. And I know Bouchard was on their radar screen out of London Knights. Um, and so Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard, sort of their two puck movers on the right side, are playing less minutes on the PK. And they've got a guy named Philip Broberg, who went eighth uh, overall in 2019. He's sort of slowly emerging on the left side as a, you know, his big six foot four left shot Swedish defenseman that can really skate. So they've gone 11 and seven. And I would say that if Edmonton does make a move, I, I know the orders are going to add a forward, probably a right shot bottom six forward at some okay. point. That's inevitable that that's going to happen. Uh, it's got to be money in and money out. The orders have been LTIR all season long. And in fact, Mark, when uh, on this road trip, Kyrie Yamamoto's eligible to come off of LTIR. When Edmonton goes Detroit Tuesday, Philly Thursday, we're in Ottawa on Saturday, Montreal Super Bowl Sunday for a pair of matinees. Uh, Yamamoto can come off the uh, LTIR for the game on Sunday. In order for that to happen, Edmonton's going to have to make a move because they're going to have to create the cap space to do so. They might have to put somebody on waivers. Um, I could see a trade for a left shot D. For me, if you're going to do it, you might as well go get a guy that's decent. The guy's got to be able to move the puck. Okay. Like I look at what Florida did last year to get Sherrod. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Sherrod and Giroux, was it worth trading away a pair of number ones to make that happen? I don't know. You know, like, uh, you know, Ben Sherrod was a big part of Montreal's success. Detroit invested four years at four, seven, five on him. I, I, I would bet you if you asked the people in Florida, did that trade work out for them? They might, I mean, they did get into the second round. I, I I think Edmonton needs a puck. If they're going to step up and okay. give, move, move a first rounder, I think it's going to have to be for a left shot D that can move the puck. Bob, thanks again for your time today on the podcast, talking to us about the Oilers, Connor McDavid's only visit of the year into Detroit in the regular season, talking about Ken Holland and what fans can expect at the trade deadline. Safe travels to Detroit and best of luck the rest of the season. Awesome. Take care. Our thanks again to Bob Stauffer for joining us on the podcast. The Oilers, as we mentioned earlier, they're on their way to Detroit today, where, as Bob noted, Connor McDavid has never won a game at LCA. So, Ted, what are we to make of McDavid's historic season, making a farce of this sport, as you mentioned in your All-Star break review? I remember watching McDavid as a 15-year-old with the Erie Otters. He was just 155 pounds back then. He had just been granted exceptional status after dominating with the minor midget Toronto Marlboros. One game in Windsor, Ted, he went end-to-end -end with that speed of his. He scored a goal, and he was almost embarrassed the way he blew by the Spitfires. And now he's 11 years older. He's 26. He's 40 pounds heavier at 195 pounds, 92 points in only 50 games. How about tomorrow night, Ted? What are the odds that the Wings put up a really good effort against McDavid and the Oilers like they have this year against the Maple Leafs and the Lightning? As crazy as it sounds, this could be his best season yet, the way it's unfolding and materializing. It's just the speed is just breathtaking. He can do things with speed that other 
just other people, other players can't even imagine. I mean, it, they can't match whatsoever. He does things so quickly and so mm-hmm. with such a, a level of, it's just amazing to watch sometimes. It's, it's unfortunate he only comes down here once a year the way the schedule works out. But I don't, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I don't think there's a lot of great talents out there, a lot of great young players in this league. But right now, he's still head and shoulders above everybody. He just makes it look so easy. And tell you, they got a good team. I think he finally might have the chance here right, this right. year to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think it's outlandish to think that. So something to it'll be something to watch here down the line. Finally, Ted, let's hear from Wings coach Derek Lalonde. Today he talked about the health of his lineup, 13 forwards to work with right now. And more specifically, here's what he had to say about Philip Zadina's possible return to the lineup during this homestand. You hope it just opportunity will take care of itself. So we're, we're carrying 13 forwards right now. Um, he was 13 today. I don't think we'll play him tomorrow. Just kind of some synergy we had with the lines before the break. But hopefully take care of himself and he'll get his opportunity and just play himself into, you know, what you hope he can be or what he's projected to be. Uh, so great question. Um, he started to get a little rhythm in his game before his injury, and that was a really tough injury. Uh, lower body. It took him a long time to get back from. So, um it's probably a little bit of a start over here for this year, especially with our new staff with him. So, I mean, you see parts of what translates the skating, the shooting. Uh, it's just a matter of him putting it all together. Hopefully, you know, he'll get that opportunity uh, sooner than later, which I think he will. So, Ted, what do you make of this next little stretch? Edmonton Tuesday, Calgary Thursday, Vancouver Saturday. And then it's those same three teams out West next week, followed by games in Seattle and in Washington, five games on the road before they come home to face the Rangers and lightning. Obviously. I mean, you know, obviously we'll know about, we'll have a better handle on where this team is going after that. But yeah, when you just focus on these next few weeks, there's a lot of strong playoff contending teams there. And let's face it. They haven't fared extremely well on the whole against teams like this so I don't know I mean we've we seems like we say it several times during the course of the season but let's say it again this is going to be a very pivotal stretch for them we'll know more about them and well I mean if they they're still seven points or more at when we're talking after the Rangers or, or Tampa game I mean obviously at that point there's this is a seller this isn't a buyer at the trade deadline right, not right, that I right. think they would even be a buyer anyways really but just gonna it would be interesting to see at what level they do sell off at that point and that'll do it for episode 84 of our Detroit News Detroit Red Wings podcast thanks again for your time today Ted you can find all of Ted's stories online at detroitnews.com as well as on our octopulse facebook page and thanks again everyone for listening rating and reviewing these podcasts 